0: Thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Free and available where you find folks get your podcast. Well, on today's episode, it's not it's it's not victory Monday. It's it's quite the opposite. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello you wonderful 8-1 Spartan fans, that's right, let's not lose sight of this, 8-1, we'll, we'll get to all this later, uh, and hello Locked On Spartans fans, you guys are truly the best, thank you so much for tuning in and making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day, especially uh, well here on Not Victory Monday, as we've been accustomed to for the last eight weeks this season, but hey, sometimes um, Ross-Ade Stadium happens, and yeah, that we'll get into it, we're going to talk about the game, there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, On tomorrow's show, we actually will be switching over to the hardwood as Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com will be joining us to give a season preview on the Michigan State Spartans and also dabble a little bit into the Michigan State-Kansas game as well. Uh, Throughout the week, we'll be talking about the upcoming Maryland game. Um, After, of course, the MSU-Kansas game, we'll have a post-game reaction pod. So, yeah, that's, that's how we do it. You guys know us. It's Locked On Spartans. We do this five days a week here on the Locked On Podcast Network you ever want to reach out, uh, Locked on spartans at gmail.com. Had a few people reach out after the game. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go into those topics a little bit as well. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That's right. I knew I was forgetting something there. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you find folks, get your podcast in. All right, well, I guess we should do this. Um, let's do the show. First, first losing week show of the year. Uh, okay, let's get it started. Uh, well, congrats first of all, first and foremost to uh, all Wolverine fans. on Their biggest win of the last few seasons as Purdue tops Michigan State forty to twenty nine in in West Lafayette. At I'm not, I'm not gonna yell. I'm not gonna be doing the whole screaming at everything podcast, throwing crap around the room, demanding everyone be fired. I you might have gotten that show for me Saturday night or after Purdue converted on their 49th third down of the game. Like yeah, maybe, but 24-hour rule. We're going to we're going to actually keep this one in check. We're going to be rational about it or try my best to at least yeah, could offer my effort here. Um because listen, at the end of the day, if you told me that MSU after 9 weeks would be 8 and 1, have Paul Bunyan and then also have a team of such stature where other fans are storming the field after beating them, I not only take that deal 10 out of 10 times, but I also probably uh, liquidate my 401k and pay you to make that a possibility. But luckily, it doesn't have to happen that way. I could just watch it organically. However, okay, listen, this isn't going to be a completely rah rah podcast. Like that, that was a tough game to watch. It was not fun. I, I didn't have a good time. I'm sure you guys didn't either. Um, We got some stuff to talk about. And first and foremost, it. The high-wire act is over. It, it, it came crashing down. The, the, the Wallendas are on the tightrope at Niagara Falls, and oh my goodness gracious, they're two-thirds of the way there, and someone cuts the line out right from under them, and that's kind of how it felt with Michigan State. Uh, if you have listened to this podcast all season long, you might roll your eyes because these are refrains that have been common throughout the season. Uh, whether it was the Rutgers or Indiana game, they got away with pre-snap punt penalties. I think there was three pre-snap punt penalties, maybe even four against Rutgers, and then they had another one against Indiana. They got away with it there. You can get away with those faults against the Scarlet Knights and the Hoosiers. Uh, giving up long third-down conversions against Indiana, and then also last week against Michigan. Okay, you, you got away with it in those games. Very scary. This can't last forever. And, well, hey, listen, Ben Don't Break was awesome for eight weeks. And we saw what happens when it breaks. And, really, I mean, it all came crashing down in this game. Uh, The the pre-snap punt penalty completely turned things around. Bryce Beringer has another awesome punt down at the two-yard line. But for some reason, um, for the upteenth time this year... Uh, MSU can't line up correctly for the punt as someone goes into motion and runs downfield a tad early. Uh, It doesn't matter. That is a common theme. And finally, a bit Michigan State. It was a 48-yard swing of field position after Behringer had a line drive punt where the returner was down at the 50. You go from the 2-yard line to the 50 because you cannot line up correctly on a punt in Week 9 of the season. Now, that's just one thing that happened. I mean, on Saturday's game, the third downs were a catastrophe. <laughs> I mean, I think at one point Purdue started what 10 of 13 on third downs, whenever it was third down, when, whether it be third and two, third and 10, I was yelling out loud. just move the chains. I, why, why waste the time and just sit there. If you're on the chain game and wait to see how the play ends up. Like everyone knows it's a first down. Like it's been not great in third down land. The last three games. Um, Ben don't break, um, and also Ben don't break just doesn't apply to red zone. It, it, very clearly, it applies to third down as well because, just like we talked about before the game, like that was going to be the key to the game, getting off the field on third down, and they did anything but that. But also, you know, if you remember Friday's show, it wasn't just to get off the field, but it was also also to bring out their really bad punt unit out on the field. How many times do we see Purdue have a third down in negative territory? And then, up oh, first down, okay, instead of punting the ball to Michigan State to give them great field position, they're just going to go down. And uh, score. Yeah, it was just breaking all over the place. And, listen, I, like some of it's scheme, of course, like single coverage on David Bell with zero safety help late in the game. Wh- what are we do Why? What? Okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, like some of it's just simply on the players. I mean, it's not fun to talk about, you know. I'm just going to go here and talk mean about college student athletes that are trying their best, but okay, after watching a guy go for 536 <laughs> through the air, making Purdue's offense look like 2019 LSU, that it's that's a culmination of everything right there. A little bit on coaching, a little bit on the players. No, I'm not going to single out the players and name drop them. I mean, I'm sure you guys are smart enough. You guys saw the game. You guys can probably figure out who uh, could have been possibly responsible for north of 500 passing yards being given up against you listen hey like officiating wasn't perfect I'm not here to talk about that though I don't care to talk about it okay sure the simultaneous catch at the end I don't really that doesn't really move the needle for me because it seemed to be that there's a track record that Purdue was just gonna go and score anyway to make it a two possession game once again they were scoring at will moving the ball down the field at will Will. So, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to join the, the small cavalcade of people that are like, oh, the, well, this happened and this happened with the refs. Like, no, no. Nope. And the team acknowledged that, too, at the end of the game as well. I think it was Xavier Henderson, Peyton Thorne, and Mel Tucker all were asked if, you know, officiating had any outcome in the game and they didn't take the bait or anything. They they looked in the mirror. That's, so, no, like, listen, Purdue played better. And of course they did. Um, yeah, MSU had injuries. That, that hurts. No question about it. You're missing Jalen Naylor. You're missing your starting left tackle. Uh, Matt Coglin was out with uh, undisclosed injury, so it, it hurts. But then again, and you know this this is the the part that really <laughs> it's kind of ironic. Um, the unit that was most healthy, defensive backs, was the reason you kind of lost that game. I mean, I would love to point to the injuries and being like, oh well, if horse played, it would have been great. Or oh, if Naylor was at, like. Unless you're going to convert horse to play cornerback or uh, Naylor to play cornerback as well, like no, I don't think you really point to injuries for this one. So it was, it was just a bad game. It was not good, and it's I, I can only help but laugh that like we talked about on a Friday, I, the, the rushing. Like, the rushing game on both ends of the ball, both when MSU has the ball and Purdue has the ball, it all worked out great. Like, Purdue is atrocious at running the football. We knew that going into the game. MSU is great at stopping the run. They got 1.9 yards per carry. It was almost as if, like, when Purdue handed the ball off, like, it was just wasting time. Like, just take a knee, get your gain of zero yards, and let's move on to the next play where you can just pop us for, I don't know, 20 more yards with David Bell. But, again... Like it didn't end up mattering though because the passing defense was uh, so horrible, so atrocious, and now they are quite literally ranked last in FBS. Uh, and uh, yeah, passing defense. So, woohoo, that's great. Um, and yeah, another small little coaching folly. Listen, the offense was fine, it didn't set the world on fire. They were fine, good enough, especially without your starting left tackle and Jalen Naylor missing uh, the game as well. But odd. To me, that Kenneth Walker gets five touches in the second half. I believe that was five touches. We're gonna need a little more action for our Heisman front running running back. And what what are we doing trying to get off the field as soon as we possibly can? To anyway, I digress. Um, we're gonna hit a few mailbags in the second segment, but first I need to talk to you, fine folks about Prize Picks. That is right, Prize Picks, the leader in college sports daily fantasy. You find folks. We're talking, uh, well, just like I said, prize picks. I'll say for a third time. I'm sorry. I got lost in my notes here. Uh, so, guys, how do you play prize picks? Well, got to go to the App Store or Google Play, download the app because that'll help you play the app, and then deposit, but not without, promo code LOCKDOWN. That's right. Promo code locked on, all one word, is going to give you a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's right. So from there, you pick two to five players. And they're over under on their projections like touchdown throws, interceptions thrown, receiving yards, rushing yards, and uh, yeah, you could just win up to ten times on any entry. That's right, just just ten times your money. How hard's that? You know, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's just you against the projected numbers. You're not going up against anyone else's team. It is just you against that concrete number, baby. And they also allow mixed sport entries. So if you like NBA with the side of your Spartan football, yeah, go go ahead and dabble in that. Uh, Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, and best of all, they offer safe and fast withdrawals. So do not hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepix is daily fantasy made easy. Before we kick off the second segment, just want to thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Free and available where you find folks get your podcast. All right, Uh, this morning, Sunday morning, uh, wake up to an email. Uh, just an awesome, awesome subject line right off the top. Uh, rant themes for an upset victim Monday. That's I kind of like that, victim Monday, instead of victory Monday. That's that's nice. Um, this is from Gotham Spartan. And he, oh boy, yeah, he brought the heat. He he has a lot of rant themes. I, I don't think I'll touch on most of these, but these are certainly thoughts uh, in the raw motion immediately after the game or the day after the game that, well, a lot of us... Uh, Sad Spartan fans had, no doubt about it. Um is the bend but don't break defense broken? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Anytime Aiden O'Connell, who's a fine quarterback, he ain't all world though, uh, is throwing for 536. Safe to say that uh it's it's bend and then break, uh, especially after that game right there. Uh the Scotty Hazelton O Spartan Nation, an apology. Listen, if it happens again against Maryland, sure, absolutely. Then we can start having some serious conversations about um, what's going on in the coaching staff because, poof boy, Maryland, not that good. But, uh uh-oh, neither is Michigan State's pass defense. Um, Was this a hangover from the U of M game? See, oddly enough, I I don't think so. I don't think so because nothing that we haven't seen all season happen in this game. Like, it's been a common theme that... Teams just moved the ball easily through the 20s. Um, It just happened that Purdue was actually able to score in the red zone this time around. And also credit Purdue as well. I mean, that trick play that they had was a complete masterpiece. Right when I saw the five linemen line up on the left side of the field, I was like, okay, that's going to go for six. Um, No, so I, I don't think this is necessarily a hangover Again, just the the themes of the season, just pre-snap punt penalties, just getting fried through the air until you reach the red zone. But, yeah, the only difference this game was that red zone conversions, well, actually happened. And uh, so do those third-down conversions, too, that have been a theme recently. So, no, I don't think it's necessarily a direct hangover of the U of M game thing right there. Um, And same with, like, the uh, he also brings up, is this the team unable to cope with the high-ranking? Uh, did all favorable media finally get to their heads? No, I I, I find it hard to believe that. So, And uh, okay, and here's one, too. Like, Does Spartan football team deserve the chant of overrated? No, I don't. And I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns here. This is something I've been saying very early on in the season. I think it was maybe the week after Clemson really showed that, how bad they are. And a lot of other teams started to really show that. Uh-oh, this is going to be an unusual year. But there are a ton a ton of good college teams. There's just not a lot of great ones. And Michigan State, listen, I know they're ranked third in college football playoff, but still, that I think we all kind of maybe in the back of our heads knew that that might not last forever. Sure, we thought that it would maybe last until you play the likes of Ohio State and Penn State, but no, I don't think they're overrated. I still think that this is a team that is you know top 10 good, top 15 good. But just because... Look around everywhere. Like the, the the Big Ten, nothing too special going on. You know, okay, Ohio State's typical Ohio State, but even they look a little uh, unusually off this year. But still, they have the liberty of being unusually off and still thrashing teams whenever they want. Um, and just look around the other conferences, too. I mean, it's just a bizarre year for college football. I feel like uh, we've hit a great reset button to start the year. So, And uh, we'll get to this one later. Uh, just how many postseason possibilities... Get, just got pissed away. We will hit that in the third segment, actually. Um, another um, email sent this way was uh, rating things on the worry zone. How much am I worrying after the game that just happened on Saturday? So we've got five things here. And I'm going to rate them. This is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being like, ain't no worries over here, man. It's all good in the hood. We're, we're fantastic. No sweat. And 10 being... DEFCON 1. You know, I'm just like, oh, it sound the alarms. This is the worst thing in the world. Uh, The first one is the offense without Naylor. I would say five. Five. I'm like right in the middle. I'm sorry to be so boring right off the top here. I have a hard time believing that we're going to see a game that bad from Jaden Reed again the rest of the year. That was uncharacteristic of him. Yes, he played fine still, but like we... Do we have come to expect more of Reed here as being one of the best receivers in the conference. A little too many drops, but with that said, I, I don't think that that's going to last here. I think he could bounce back from that. Um, Thorn, he was fine. He, fine. you know n- n- nothing spectacular, nothing horrible. I thought he was fine. What I am interested in is how the rest of the receivers will be. and I'm very intrigued by the prospect of Malik Carr. They utilized him a smidge against Michigan. Caught the ball immediately, slipped on the turf. Great, uh, and then they had the nice play there too with him. I, I believe it was a tunnel screen, perhaps. I don't know. I'm, I'm going off memory here, but I like big body Malik Car in the game here. Way different than than Naylor. That is a different beast. I'm not saying that he, there's it's a complete substitution that you can make for him. It's it's a different animal. No no doubt about that. But I think that is intriguing a little bit. We saw Connor Hayward get some more run than he has the last few weeks. Uh, as far as being a target in the air. Uh, Tyler Hunt, (laughs) you know, hey, look at him. Travis Kelsey, 2.0, so... But don't get it wrong. Like, it is... It sucks to not have a receiver that makes your offense dynamic. So, yeah, I'll go 5 out of 10 for that one. Uh, The second one is Kenneth Walker's Heisman hopes. I, like, 4? I'm not all too worried about it. Yeah, like, they, they took a loss, but he still had 156 yards and a touchdown. Could it have been more? Should it have been more? Absolutely. But no fault to his own. That's just because they kind of didn't give him the ball as much as I would like him to in the second half. So no, are his Heisman hopes dashed? Not really. And this also goes back to talking about just college football in general. A lot of good players. A lot of good players. Any great ones, though, really rocking your socks off? Not really. Matt Corral, okay, played just ho-hum against Liberty over the weekend. Bryce Young against an LSU team that... Loves loves watching uh, other teams score on them like a ho hum game like you know it's okay so um yeah it, was, it wasn't a world class game certainly it wasn't five touchdowns but it's still a game that has him pretty comfortably in first place months like running backs that are Heisman hopeful so maybe hey maybe maybe he doesn't win the award but at least uh, we're talking still talking trip to New York um, I think that helps. locked it up a little more if anything um. The defense. The defense in general, just the overall defense, yeah, I could call that an an 8. I can call that an 8, no problem, and that might even be a little low. Because MSU, well, they did what they had to do in the run game. They completely shut it down. How much did that matter? Uh, This is bad podcast, and I'm holding up a giant O with my hand right now. Zero. It it didn't matter at all. So, like, it it, it didn't matter how good the the defense was doing in the run game, holding Purdue to 1.9 yards, because... Well, forty points and five hundred thirty-six yards through the air later, yikes! So yeah, um, listen, not not to pin it all on one unit, but yeah, we, we listen, we, we can all take our conclusions from the game, and yeah, it's uh, kind of on one unit there, and that's uh, it's not good. Okay, I like this one too coming up, the Maryland game, the Maryland game. How worried am I about the Maryland game? Uh I'm s- okay. So Vegas opens up. It is a 14 point spread. MSU is favored, of course. 14 points. The world and Vegas says I should not worry about this game, but no, I'm I'm back to like maybe a 5. Uh just because if I'm seeing a quarterback and receivers with four functioning limbs, I, that that concerns me. I I no, how am I supposed to, How am I supposed to watch for for the upteenth time this show? How am I supposed to watch 536 yards through the air? And then just feel, like, fine about a Maryland team that likes to throw the ball a little bit. Like, no, of course I'm a little worried. So, yeah, we'll call it a five. And last but not least, um, missing out on a New Year's Six Bowl game. We will actually start next segment with that. That's right. That's called a tease in the podcast industry. You like that? I'm sure you don't. But we're going to do it anyway. Uh, But first, need to talk to you fine folks about Built Bar. That's right, guys. If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you are missing out. Secondary could have used a few Built Bars on Saturday. Um... Listen, it's the best tasting protein bar in the world. Just point blank, it is. I, that's it's not up for debate. Uh, you might think that you have found the best protein bar in the world, but I guarantee you that it tastes like eating a, oh god, a chalkboard eraser compared to eating a Built Bar because Built Bar is soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, oh yeah, you're actually eating the flavor that's written on the wrapper. This isn't one of those protein bars that, you know, it's like you're eating sawdust, and it says on the front chocolate chip. Like, no, there's nothing delightful about this. Built Bar, however, oh, yeah, they're bringing the delight on the taste buds and on the body. It's low-carb, it's low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, high in protein, and you get all the healthy benefits on top of it just being so, so delicious. Guys, go grab a coconut bar, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry, barcia, and also, guys, they have limited-time flavors of, like, at least once a week, but they fly fast off the website. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get one of those nine flavors or the limited time flavors and get 15% off your order. built.com, promo code LOCKED15 and 15% off your order. One more time guys, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off at built.com. So we're going to try to lighten things up here in the third segment we're gonna try to go to happy land if you will as happy as you can be off a defeat of your top five team on the road as you watched the opposing team get a scrillion yards through the air but we're gonna try we're gonna try our best and we're gonna start off with uh something i've been teasing throughout the show of course i mean you know the, the postseason uh prospects how many opportunities that msu just blow there at the end um How worried am I about missing out on a New Year's Six bowl game now? And also, I think it ties well into this tweet, which for some reason I can't find anymore. I don't know if it got deleted or if I'm just a blind person. Um, But on Saturday night, you know, I had to get some aggression out. I asked the fine folks, um, what do you guys want to argue about today? And someone threw out a, a great topic. It was, I think this is the most meaningless loss in recent program history. And in the aftermath of emotions and rage and just being upset about the game, I kind of take a pause there. It's like, well, it might be onto something. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Like, on, on, on Twitter, I've, I've, I forgot who had it and everything, so I'm sorry I forgot your name. But that is a fascinating point. And where I've netted out on that is it will be probably the most meaningless loss in recent program history if it costs them a New Year's 6 game. If it costs them a New Year's 6 game. I mean, sorry, if it doesn't. If it doesn't cost him a New Year's Six game, it is meaningless. Um, I, and maybe this is just where I came in to the game. I didn't think that this team was going to run the table and go to the college football playoff. I'm sorry. Call me Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy, whatever you want. Didn't necessarily see this team winning against Ohio State, and even that Penn State game before the Purdue matchup still had me a little spooked as well. Right now, after the game, I'm, I'm bebopping bopping around College Bowl projections I've seen Michigan State in most publications still slated for the Rose Bowl. Okay. And that is assuming Ohio State goes to the college football playoff. Uh, they beat whoever comes out of the Big Ten West. That drops the Big Ten West down to a four loss team. So now you got Michigan State, who let's call 10 and two with the loss to Purdue, loss to Ohio State. They take care of business against Penn State and Maryland. Um, that would make them the second best Big Ten team still. Still. Unless. No, that still would, because, yeah, anyway. Um, however, also saw one bowl projection that had Michigan State slated for the Citrus Bowl. Now, that is where the Purdue game is going to really suck. Uh, you know, that's not good, but it, it does come down to the last two games. If you split after, knock on wood, uh, beating Maryland, if you split Ohio State and Penn State, you finish the season at 10-2, and two, I still think that gets you in the door for New Year's Six. Is it Rose Bowl? Well, it depends what Michigan's going to do. Um, At the very least, right now, like I said earlier, I'll say it again. You're probably very annoyed about me talking about this. A lot of good teams in college football, none great. So there could be three Big Ten teams, all from the Big Ten East, getting invites to a New Year's Six Bowl like the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. So I, I don't think this completely shoots all of MSU's dreams down. And of course, hey, let's get into it. Could this be... If you're a believer, if you have more faith in this team than I do, and you actually think that they can make the college football playoff, the Big Ten Championship, if you are what they call a a good, faithful Spartan fan, maybe what we saw Saturday was the 2015 Nebraska game. Now, check this one out. Uh, There are some comparables. Now, what I mean by that is, of course, that all the goals are still ahead of you. You win out, you still get to go to Indy, you can go to the college football playoff, like it's all great. But Michael Mead on Twitter sniffed this one out as well. Who likes comparisons? Does anyone like comparisons? Raise your hand, because I got one for you right now. After the 2015 Nebraska loss, Michael writes, we played Maryland at home, OSU away, and then Penn State at home. Oh, interesting. After this loss on Saturday, what's next, guys? MSU plays Maryland at home. We go on the road to Columbus to play OSU away, and then Penn State at home. So if you like uh, making direct comparisons to other years, well, what are the odds? It's the same last three games and venues uh, to end the season that it was in 2015 after they took that heartbreaking loss against Nebraska. So, um, yeah, if, if you are in the camp of everything is still in front of this team, you're right. It is. It, listen, it, it doesn't matter. And even if they did win the Purdue game, still probably wouldn't have mattered because that still makes the de facto... Uh, play-in game for the Big Ten Championship, what's going to go down in Columbus. Um, a lot of season left, guys, which is silly to say with just three games, but it's not just MSU that we're watching, too. It's what's going to happen in this Penn State-Michigan game going on next week and what's going to happen uh, in the, of course, Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the season. So there's a lot of things flying around or what's going to happen in Penn State's remainder of the season. I don't know what else they have in between the Michigan State and Michigan game. I apologize, but... Yeah, hey, Big Ten's been a silly year. Could be a lot worse, too. Could be Florida. <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of sitting on Dan Mullen Island, uh, getting absolutely tuned up against South Carolina. We could be Minnesota, who gives P.J. Fleck uh, basically a Supreme Court justice extension on his contract where he's going to be coaching there until he dies, and then trots his team out to lose 14-6 to to Illinois. Like, listen, life could be worse. We could not be 8-1. I mean, I'll... I'll you know what? We're going to end the show just how we started it. Perspective, baby. That's right. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm just convincing myself because this is how I'm going to get in a good mood. And I have to tell myself this over and over again. But uh, you go back to the start of the year in August. The Vegas over-under for wins is four and a half. And you tell me that, oh, uh, as we go into November, you'll be ranked third in the country. College football playoff rankings. Uh, you will have Paul Bunyan. And then, sure, you will lose a game, but you're such a good team that opposing fans feel like they could storm the field against you. Like, okay. Um, who am I kidding? I would take that. Oh, and on top of all that, by the way, uh, you have a guy who is probably one or 2 solid self-performances away from going to New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. It's It's a fine season, guys. It's all good. Hey, I was like you after the game. Maybe you still are a little angry. I was very upset. I was very mad. I was annoyed, but man, I, it's it's tough to look back at uh, what's been happening the whole year. The big picture, that's right. I'm going to lecture you about looking at the big picture. It's, it's a fine season, and I love the team's response after the game too. Just looking inward, not blaming anything else, no outside forces. They know that they have to get back and get back to work. I love that they come back home to a home game, a home crowd, playing in front of the Spartan nation, faithful, that's right, and also... 4 p.m. kickoff time. The best kickoff time in the world, too. Um, The kids are going to be okay. The kids are going to be okay. Whether that means 9-3 season, 11-1 season. Regardless, hey, I mean, maybe this is loser talk. I know some people don't like to talk about house money. But really, hey, this season is house money, man. They have reached already heights that we did not think that were going to be reached. And that's not me saying that uh, it is over because, well, yeah, it's a deep water program. They are going to dig deep, and they will find a way to get back on track here, I believe. So, hey, could be worse. Could be, uh, we could be doing a lot of these Victim Monday shows. But instead, nope, eight Victory Mondays, just one Victim Monday. Life goes on, and uh, hey, also, basketball season right around the corner. So, thanks a ton, guys, for listening to the show. I know this isn't as fun as Victory Monday shows, but you know what? That, that just makes the victories that much sweeter. Um, like I said, guys, we will be talking about MSU hoops tomorrow. We will be breaking down the game after their contest against Kansas on Tuesday night. And, yeah, we'll get into the Maryland game later in the week. We'll, we'll have fun, as we always do. Um, if you want to turn away from MSU football for a hot second and find out what's going on in the rest of the Big Ten, how about locked on Big Ten with our guy Nate Dickinson? That's right. He'll take you around the conference, tell you everything else you need to know outside of what's going on in East Lansing. So give that a listen, guys. All right. It's Monday. It's a new week. But you know what? We're all Spartans and you guys are the best. All right. Love you all. Go green.